uh, probably had no idea that I was here. Um, I've actually been here for a few weeks and going to um, all three services at City. It's been kind of fun because it's kind of like being the secret shopper. I can just like lurk around. Uh, maybe lurk's not the best word, but it's, I can just kind of uh, wander around. And it's been so exciting because many of you have been really welcoming um, and have had some great conversations that go something like, um, so are you a Wellingtonian? Um, it's the accent, throws them off. Um, and uh, I say, no, actually, I'm from Waikanae. And, uh, and so then, which I, we are, we, we, we commute from, from Waikanae. And so then they're like, so then are you just like visiting with us today? And I say, no, I work here. And they're like, so like in Wellington? And I'm like, no, actually, like here. So like, like you mean like at the church here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's your role? Oh, I'm the new youth pastor. Oh, you're that, Matt. That's great. I'm one of the elders. <laughs> so, so it's really good, which is good because you know that your, your elders are welcoming. So that's a real positive. That's a good thing to know. Um, and so I've had a few conversations like that. One uh, couple times I've sat down with people for up to 20 minutes before that comes up, and uh, so it's just kind of been fun to kind of spring that on at the last minute. <laughs> now, question for you, how many of you this summer went on holiday? You went away for holiday? Yeah, quite a few of you. Yeah, no, that's good, good. Not me. I started a new job, <laughs> and, uh, and let me tell you, they're slave drivers, like... <laughs> Full on. So what they did, so they brought me in in, uh, well, kind of November, December, uh, just some part-time stuff. And, and then they gave me my key and my swipe card. And they're like, this is how you unlock the door. And this is how you lock the door and all this stuff. And they're like, you know, you're going to start um, full-time the beginning of the year. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see you in the new year. So what I didn't realize is that I would see them at the end of January. Because <laughs> all of them went on holiday. So let me tell you that this is a very quiet place in the first couple of weeks of January. So that's what, that's what I've, I've been doing, and uh, it has been good. It's been good to, uh, to meet the staff, to meet the youth leaders, the youth. We met a lot of the youth uh, on Friday night, so it really has been a joy and exciting, and, and it's a privilege. Um, so I didn't go on holiday this summer. I have gone on holiday before. Um, a few years ago, I went on holiday uh, to... Um, hot Water Beach. How many of you have ever been to Hot Water Beach? A few of you have been to Hot Water Beach? All right. So, um, so yes, yeah, so we went to Hot Water Beach, and, um, and if you haven't been there before, the best thing to do is look ahead and see, okay, what's the tide? And I can't remember exactly what it is. I think the tide is out or it's in. I can't remember which one, but one of those is the best time to be there, okay? <laughs> and so <laughs> we knew at the time. I just can't remember. So, so it happened to be that the best time to be at Hot Water Beach was 10 p.m. And so it's nice and dark, right? And so we go out there, and, and if you can imagine, we're at the beach. You hear the waves hitting the ocean, or hitting, hitting the ocean, hitting the beach. And um, it's, just, it's just a quiet, beautiful night. We're just sitting in there, because you have to, you dig this hole, and uh, it fills with hot water, and you're just sitting there, and you're just enjoying this. And so just picture this with me, and you don't know me. You're sitting in one of the other pools, okay? And um, I probably, okay, one thing I need to tell you about myself some things, sometimes things just don't come out right, okay? So, like, you ever, you ever, like, say something, and you're like, wow, that sounded different inside my head. 
You ever have that? Yeah, okay, well, that happens to me frequently. And so imagine you're there, you're sitting in this hot pool, you're just enjoying it, just relaxing. You, you can't, you, like I said, you can only just see some, like, shapes. You can't even really see me. All of a sudden, you're sitting there, and you just hear me say, you hear my voice say, Oh, Trevor, that feels so good. <laughs> and not just once, but a few minutes later, I said it again, okay? And so the people who hadn't run away have run away now, okay? So, so now, you're, now you're starting to wonder, okay, so what did we just hire, okay? You know, what kind of guy is this? So, um, so the thing about hot water beach is the hot water has to keep coming into the pool because otherwise it gets cold. And so it had gotten cold and Trevor just, Trevor was a mate of mine that was with us and my wife was there. So it was Trevor and my wife and I. And, and uh, he, he just let some more fresh hot water in and man, it felt really good. So I was just like communicating that. So for, for us, you know, yeah, it felt really good. Now to the people on the outside, what Maybe we won't unpack that. But um, they were thinking something completely different. And so um, context is everything, right? Like absolutely everything. And for them on the outside, whoa, the context was completely different. They're telling a different story this morning. Um, but the context for us was, wow, this was just such a great experience. Context is so important. Context shapes the way that we perceive the world, we uh, the way we perceive experiences, it also shapes how we perceive God. Context does that. And one of the things, I loved what uh, Dallas said this morning about how she um, has discovered that how much she doesn't know about God. And part of that is because sometimes our context limits our perception of who God is. And so sometimes that's family experience. Our, our own family dynamic and family experience can shape our, our uh, context, our perspective of God. Our church experience, whether it's a really bad, painful experience or a positive experience, shapes the way that we view God. Our culture has influence on how we perceive who God is. And so, and also the messages we hear, and one of the messages that for many of us we've heard over and over is we've heard this message that Jesus loves us. And that is true, okay? I just want you to know that that is true. But we've heard it so much and that, that it's shaped our perception of God where we see him as being just this friend, this casual friend who does nice things for us. And so we, we forget the fullness of who God is and that God is so much more. And sometimes we forget that, um, that God is such a big God and, and that we need to understand his, the fullness of who he is so that we can really fully understand his love for us. So this morning, that's what we want to unpack. We're going to read um, Hebrews 12, 14 to 29 in just a second. Um, they gave the youth pastor the longest passage. Um, either, either it was a thing of he needs more content, uh, he's simple, not sure if it was that, or um, all right, we'll give all the longest passage to the new guy. I'm not sure which it is, but um, so anyway, so we'll unpack this thing, but let's just pray. Let's just invite God to speak to us this morning. God, I thank you for um, this morning. I thank you for who you are. I thank that you are a loving God. I thank you that you are a holy God who shares yourself with us. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us to see you this morning Lord, that we would see your attributes, that we would see who you are. 
Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word. Lord, we just commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So there's so much about God that's beyond just the love. I love so much of what we sang this morning in terms of the, the, the songs. The songs spoke of God's worthiness, of all, all hail King Jesus. What a powerful song that he's more than just this loving friend, but he is the king, the king of all. So let's, let's, uh, let's read, let's read starting in um, verse 14. Let's read this passage. Verse 14, and we're in Hebrews again, Hebrews chapter 12. You can either um, open your Bible to there or turn it on, whichever one. But let's read. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many. And make sure that there isn't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal. For you know that later he, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, even though he sought it with tears because he didn't find any opportunity for repentance. For you have not come to what could be touched, to a blazing fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words. Those who heard it begged that not another word be spoken to them, for they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The appearance was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Instead, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, a festive gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn whose names have been written in heaven, to a judge who is God of all, to the spirits of righteous people made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which says better things than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not reject the one who speaks. For if they did not escape when they rejected him who warned them on earth, even less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven. His voice shook the earth at that time, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This expression, yet once more, indicates the removal of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what is not shaken might remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. By it, we may serve a God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. For some people, they read the scripture and their, their perception of God is, is in the Old Testament, God was angry. That he was, just this, he was this angry God and that when Jesus came, God became nice. All right? The thing is, if we don't understand the God of the Old Testament, we don't fully grasp the work that Jesus did for us on the cross. If we don't un fully understand the experience of God at the mountain, we don't fully, under fully understand what we have to experience today. See, God didn't change. He said, if you notice in verse 18, and that's where we're gonna, we're gonna start to unpack, 
In verse 18, he didn't say, you have not come to a God, but he's describing an experience. You have not come to this experience. It's the same God, but the experience is different. See, for them, it was their context, their perspective on that first encounter was just, just an initial meeting with God. And they were overcome, they were overwhelmed with that experience, just absolutely overwhelmed. We're talking about all of a sudden, the creator of the entire universe is present at this mountain. And when he speaks, the mountain shakes. And they were terrified. But it's not just because of the voice, not just because of the representation of power, but it was the representation of his holiness. His, the fullness of his holiness was there as well. How many of you, how many of you have ever done something where you got caught. Anybody ever get caught? There's like four or five of you. The rest of you are lying. Um, um, so so you've, you've been caught. It could have been you were doing something you weren't supposed to do, or you just were really embarrassed by what you did. Like, oh my gosh, I think people saw that, <laughs> right? So you, 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 know, you know what I'm talking about. And there's this feeling that stirs up inside of you. And you're like, there's this, this fear of what people will think. That, I'm, that I might be found out, that I'm caught. What will people think? What's the perception of me? And so we turn very inward in that moment and we just want to hide. So we're talking about all that emotion, all that feeling from one experience. Now imagine these people for the first time experiencing the fullness of the holiness of God and all of a sudden being exposed in every area of their life. Not just one, every area. And they were overwhelmed, absolutely overwhelmed and terrified. And they knew that even to go into the presence, that there was this separation, that God was so holy that they couldn't even enter his presence. That would mean death. And they feared God for it. But see, that was their experience because that was their first experience. That was the one picture they started with God. And honestly, it was a picture that they needed to understand what God was going to do over time. That over time, God would make them into his own people. That he would be their God, that they would be his people. And that ultimately, that Jesus would come and die on the cross for them. See, our sin brings death. It's just the nature of sin. It brings separation from God. It brings death. In the time of Abel, the, the verse um, 24 talks about the, the blood that which speaks um, better things than the blood of Abel. In, in the sacrificial time, they had to continuously offer sacrifices for their sins. The, the, the sacrifices that were made didn't just cover it once. It was continuously they had to come back. But that's the difference between Jesus and between God. God being completely holy, completely right, completely pure, gave himself so that once and for all, he could conquer sin and death. So that once and for all, he would die on our behalf for our sin. And so once and for all, if we accept what he has done for us, we now stand in a position where we are right before God. And that now we can enter into his presence. And so this, in verse 22 to 24, what's being described there is a celebration of what God has done. Yes, his holiness, but he is also the God who has made 
peace with his creation. He is the God who has reached out that in spite of the fact that we were offensive to him, that we did things that were offensive to him, in spite of the fact that as Colossians describes it, that we were hostile in our minds towards him, he reached out to us. He gave himself on our behalf to redeem us, to love us, to bring us into relationship with him. See, that's a much bigger picture of God than what we often think of. But that is the God that we're talking about this morning. The God who is holy, but the God who redeems the people. And that, that he also makes things right. One of the things to notice is that there are ones that have gone before us. They're the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Because God didn't just, just die for our sins, but then also he makes us right. There's a continuous process of him redeeming us and making the areas of our life right, to making us into what he created us to be. And so this is why, when we go back to verse 14, why we pursue peace with everyone and we pursue holiness. It's because of what he has done, because of who he is and what he's done for us that we pursue that. We pursue peace because he first made peace. And we pursue holiness because he's holiest. Now, one author describes and gives the definition of holiness as being set apart for God. So that when we're pursuing God, pursuing holiness, it actually means that we are being set apart for God in all areas of our life. And so that means in our work, I'm being set apart for God. That in my, in my ambition, I'm being set apart for God. In my family, I'm being set apart for God. In my community, I'm being set apart for God and for his purposes. See, that's what pursuing holiness means, is setting ourselves apart to offer ourselves to him. But then there's another part of it that it's about shaping our attitudes and our desires, one of the things with Esau, and it mentions Esau in verse 16, and if, you haven't, if you're not familiar with who Esau is, I encourage you to read the story. It's Genesis chapter 25. It's near the beginning of the Bible. Esau was this guy who gave up his inheritance for a meal, for one dinner, okay? Imagine that being known for thousands of years as the guy who gave up your inheritance for a dinner. <laughs> like, there's got to be better things to be known for. But that was him. That's what he is forever known for because he was controlled by his, his appetites. He was controlled by his desires. And it goes on to say that um, he didn't find any opportunity for repentance. And, and in the text, what this is actually trying to say, it's not that the opportunity wasn't there. The opportunities would have been there. The reality was he couldn't find it in himself to respond to God. That in spite of who God is and, and even being told about who God is, he could not respond to God. His pride. And you've got to ask yourself, what was so important to him that he could not respond to the creator of the universe, to the one who can shake the universe. 
what level of pride that he had that he could not respond to that. But this was him, and this sometimes becomes us. See, for him, it's that root of bitterness that's talked about in verse 15, is that a root of bitterness had taken place, and it prevented him. That's what happens, is we, bitterness gets into our lives sometimes, and it prevents us from having the ability to respond to God. And so, so allowing, so pursuing holiness is allowing God to deal with those areas, is responding. And as it said in verse 25, see to it that, none of, that you do not reject the one who speaks. God is constantly speaking. And pursuing holiness is responding to that speaking that he's doing. It's saying yes to Jesus. Saying yes when he's speaking to those areas of our life that need holiness. But the beauty of it as well is it's not about our doing. It's about him working through us. We don't make ourselves holy. There is nothing you can do to make yourself holy. The only thing you can do is respond to Jesus and allow him to continuously flow in and to bring transformation. That is the only way that we experience the holiness and transformation of God is creating that space in our lives where we're listening and we're allowing him to do his work. It's his fruit. If Galatians 5, the fruit of the spirit, it's not our fruit, it's him. It's him working through us, him producing the holiness. But this, this is not to be done in isolation. That's one of the beauties of this. Is, is, it's not just about me having holiness. It's not just about me being at peace with, every, with people. It's actually, this is a collective thing. This, this uh, verse 14 where it says, pursue peace with everyone and holiness. That doesn't just mean that I pursue peace with you and I pursue peace with you to make sure that we're right. It's actually a collective that together we are pursuing peace, that together we are pursuing holiness, that it's a journey that we're all engaged in supporting one another. And in that, we have a responsibility. And, and in that, we reflect the character and nature of God. See, our responsibility is to, uh, is to ensure that no one misses out on the grace of God. Our responsibility is to ensure that no bitterness springs up among us. Our responsibility to, is to ensure that there isn't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau. God and his nature reaches out to those who are not experiencing his grace. That's what he did from the beginning. That's what he continues to do. And that's what he's encouraging, inviting us to do as a community that we reflect his character and nature, his holiness, his peace, and that we make sure that people don't miss out on the grace of God. That it's not, it's not a condemning thing, but it's a loving thing. That we invite people to say yes to Jesus. We invite people to respond to Jesus. That we invite people to pursue him. Now, the thing about Hot Water Beach, okay? Maybe we talked about that at the beginning. The thing about Hot Water Beach is that you sit in these pools, and over time, you've let the hot water in, and you're sitting there, but over time, the water cools. The water only stays hot. You only get the full experience of Hot Water Beach if you allow the hot water to continuously flow in. 
and the cold water to flow out. This is the same thing, the same position we need to be in our relationship with God as a community and as individuals that we're allowing the spirit of God to flow in and to take out what he needs to take out. And so I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up and the prayer team. And uh, I'm just gonna give you opportunity to respond to Jesus this morning, to respond to who he is and what he has done. So let's, let's stand together. For some of you, you maybe said yes to Jesus once, but it's been a while. It's been a while since you said yes to Jesus. If this morning that's you, and it's been a while, I just encourage you to just maybe come forward, come and, and pray with one of the, the um, prayer leaders, the ministry team, just come and pray with them and just say, I, just, I, wanna, I wanna hear Jesus and I, wanna, I want to uh, respond to him. Maybe for some of you, you haven't been saying yes because you know what he's trying to tell you. And if that's you, I just encourage you this morning just to say, God, I'm struggling with responding. Help me to respond this morning. But then there might be others of you who want to intercede for someone else. In a few weeks, we're gonna have the one conference where we're gonna be equipped to invite people to say yes to Jesus. We're gonna be equipped to invite people into the grace of God. If you want to intercede for someone this morning, if you'd just put your hand up and say, I know somebody that I would just like to intercede for, someone who needs his grace. And if you see someone with their hand up, I just encourage you to be praying for them as they pray for someone else. Either way, I just encourage you this morning to respond to Jesus. What is he saying to you? How does he want to shape you? this morning. Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. I thank you that, Lord, you gave yourself for us. Lord, that we might have life, that we might be whole. And Lord, I just pray that you'd help us this morning to say yes to you, to respond to you. Lord, speak to us where we need you to speak. Lord, we surrender ourselves to you this morning. Lord, and those, Lord, that we're interceding for, Lord, I pray that you'd be working in their hearts and their minds. Lord, that you'd be preparing them now, drawing them towards your grace. Lord, we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.